This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. Hey, and welcome to EM Weekly. Uh, today is a, is a great day. We have a special guest, Jim Bailey, and uh, we're going to let him tell us a little bit about himself right now. So, Jim, go ahead and tell us about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I'm Jim Bailey. I'm a managing partner with SenseMakers LLC. Uh, I've been a consultant now for 16 years. Uh, I retired uh, 10 days before 9-11 from the United States Marine Corps. I was an intelligence officer uh, when I retired and had both enlisted and officer time. And my path, you know, post 9-11 was, was pretty clear. I wanted to uh, take the talents and, and uh, experience that I had and apply it towards uh, counterterrorism. I was working for a company called EG&G Technical Services, and they were standing up their homeland security practice, and I was one of the original uh, members of that. And it was really interesting because it was kind of like building an airplane that was flying through the air. The Department of Homeland Security was standing up and a bunch of different programs. And, and uh, since that time, I've worked a lot of planning, training, and exercise projects literally all over the country, primarily working with uh, public safety personnel, emergency management, public health, uh, transportation folks. Uh, the company that I work for right now, SenseMakers uh, LLC, and I'm a managed partner there. Uh, we're a service-disabled veteran-owned small business, uh, again, specializing in uh, professional ser- uh, service consulting services uh, focused on planning, training, and exercising, again, working with public safety and emergency management. I want to talk to you a little bit about today about consulting specifically. So so if someone was thinking about getting in as an as a EM, maybe they're either beginning their career or, or, or maybe they're even ending their career. So if someone is thinking about going into consulting, what are the steps that they should take? Or Well, I think there's I think there's two paths, Todd, that, that someone, again, let's let's kind of go back to someone who's looking to start into a Homeland Security emergency management career. Um, you can go sort of the public side and, and try and get a position, you know, within a city or county emergency management agency. Uh, or you can go into, I think, the consulting world, which, uh, you know, was kind of what I did when I first started uh, in the private sector. Uh, there's kind of advantages and disadvantages to both. I think an advantage of going private sector first is that, you know, I think you're going to be uh, uh, a jack of all trades because you're going to be focused on a number of different projects. You'll be involved with a number of different clients, and you'll get a chance to really learn, learn the trade you know, by working with a variety of different clients. Whereas I think if you start out on a, in a, in a public, uh, uh, on the public side within an emergency management agency, you might be, uh, you might have an experience where I'm working a specific project or I'm a, a project manager for a specific project or uh, I'm just working within my jurisdiction. So I don't necessarily get exposed to a lot of different things. So, um, the, the obvious, you know, nice part about the public side is, is, uh, job security, uh, relatively speaking. Uh, again, there's challenges associated with that, but I think less challenges on that side than opposed to the private sector. The private sector, it is a business, uh, and it is all about billable hours, uh, and, uh, you know, taking care of the clients that you have and, and, and finding new clients to, uh, to work with as well. 
Well, that's, that leads me into my next question. So I know one of the biggest challenges in emergency management is the budget. You know, and always trying to trying to have the budget. So, um, how, how do you propose, and how do you guys get money for your projects? I mean, I don't. I, I guess it would be through the through the, the bid process. But how do, do you guys work with you know cities and states and counties that are having budget issues that maybe might bring you guys in because of that? Oh yeah. Well, yes and no. I mean, it's a double edged sword. I mean, life. Life before 2011 was, was really different. I mean, we had more work. I mean, I, I started out working out of my house as kind of a one man shop, uh, in 2002. And, uh, come 2005, we, we opened a full time office in San Diego. And by 2007, I had three offices and 25 people working for me in two different states. So the Homeland Security monies were flush back in the 2000s. 2011, it, it started to change. You know, obviously we went through the, the Great Recession and, and uh, a lot of cities and counties downsized. So yeah, so we, we did see an uptick in, in our business because there just wasn't a, a lot of people to do the work that needed to be done within the public sector. Uh, but after 2011, you know, we started to see a drawdown in the grant monies. There's, there's less UASI cities. Uh, I think even the Shishkap grant funding from DHS is, is declined. Um, so we've seen, you know, we, we've seen some changes. There are some challenges. Um, you, you don't see the big dollar programs anymore at the state and local level. At least I haven't seen it. Uh, you see a lot of one-off, you know, X number of dollars for a tabletop or X number of dollars for a full scale. Um, but you don't see, you know, the, the big programs, you know, the several hundred thousand dollar programs to, you know, to do a series of exercises, uh, or, or, or training deliveries. So it's, it's, it's changed post 2011. It's, you know, we've had to, to change along with it as well. It's changed everywhere. It seems to be. That we do go and ebbs and flows. I'm wondering if we're going to see, uh, kind of going back to the traditional emergency management model now that we have, uh, you know, these storms that just hit the south, you know, the southeast and, and of course, the stuff that's sitting here in California and, and uh, you know, with all those, uh, with the rains and the dams and stuff like that. I wonder if we're going to go back into infrastructure and mitigation and that type of stuff if that's going to be the focus. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think emergency management today is, is challenged in a number of different areas. Uh, I just went to the San Diego County Unified Disaster Council meeting this morning, and it started out with a briefing from the LECC, the, the Fusion Center in San Diego, talking about the latest ISIS you know, tactics that they see in their monthly publications. If you can believe they actually have a monthly publication, <laughs> you know, and and then they transitioned into you know sort of the real world storm-related recovery, storm update for what's coming this weekend, you know, what we can expect. Uh, and then from there, they transitioned into the complex coordinated attack grant program. And it was just really, I mean, you know, I, I sat there and I listened to sort of the topics that they were bringing up, and I thought to myself, my goodness, you know, it, it's 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 not your, your grandfather's emergency management mm-hmm. anymore. There's, there's a lot of a lot of things to focus on, and uh, and I think you get you kind of get spread in a number of different areas. It's funny because like even the program that I teach at, at Coastline Community College, we are an emergency management slash homeland security or you know a program, 
and sure. uh, and it seems like there's there's that nexus into into both, you know, and, and I see that for sure, and it makes sense. But uh, it it seems like like I said, we we have in flow, and we kind of at one point, I mean, when we had Yuasi money flowing. It, it almost mm-hmm. seemed like I was a homeland security guy that I'm more than an emergency management guy. And then, right, uh, you right. know, when, when the storms come up, then it's like, oh, then you're back and doing the traditional, <laughs> you know, emergency management, you know, trying to save the floodwaters from going into people's homes. Yeah. You know? So it, yeah, it's definitely. Absolutely. I, 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 think you, I think you have to focus on both. You can't, you can't afford to be a, a specialist in one area over another. I think you've got to be more of a generalist, you know, kind of the all hazards type of individual, right. you know, protection. Prevention, protection, mitigation, response, recovery. I mean, you've got to be able to cycle through all of that for, for basically all threats. I see the uh, threat analysis, hazard analysis being a huge part of, of what we do now in EM more than sure. just, the, uh, just the response. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So earlier, be- before we started doing the, the, the official recording here, we started talking about workflow. And I was telling you that one of the things that I'm, I'm really working on right now is using technology to improve the workflow uh, in the EOC. And I know you're mm-hmm. saying you're working on some of that kind of stuff. Can you kind of tell me what work you're doing with uh, workflow? Yeah, absolutely. So we see there, there's there's basically there's three key areas within EOC operations that we think if we can improve these three, we can drastically improve the overall effectiveness of the EOC. And those three areas that we focus in on are communications, uh, information management and, uh, and workflow. On the workflow side, what, what we see is it, within a lot of EOCs is a lot of emergency managers, and again, this isn't a condemnation of, of emergency managers, but I think it's just a natural sort of temptation that if I just buy web EOC, <laughs> it's going to solve my workflow problems. Okay. And in fact, I, I would even hazard to, to guess that, that perhaps maybe even those folks selling te- different technologies might even sort of purvey that, you know, or put forth that, that their system is going to solve a number of workflow problems. But the, the reality of it is, is that what, what we preach is that the first thing you got to do is you got to sit down and you got to hammer out your information requirements. Mm-hmm. Okay. We call it the five layer approach. Hammer out your information requirements. Identify where you get that information, okay? Then identify what you do with that information. In other words, who's going to do the analysis? You know, do you have one or two people sitting in SITSTAT that are going to, quote, unquote, do the analysis on everything that comes in? You know, if you do, I think you're kind of setting yourself up. So the analysis is the third step. The fourth step is, who do I have to share this finished, uh, you know, I've gone from information to intelligence. Who am I going to share that information with? Who are my stakeholders? You know, how am I going to create, no kidding, the common operating picture? What are those components? You know, we, we like to preach, and, and, and again, I think people kind of come back to the uh, the common operating picture is, is they think, you know, some sort of computer display up on a screen. Right. Well, certainly it, it can be that, but, it, but it's also the, the conference call. It's also the floor briefing. It's also the sit rep that comes out you know, every couple of hours or whatever the time frame is. It's it's all of those things, you know, and, and what we find is that folks don't necessarily know, you know, how mm-hmm. to access what you know, what's out there and then how to access it. You know, so we 
we stress that you've got to identify that stuff up front. And then finally, once you've worked through those four levels, then and only then do you bring in technology because we believe, and I've seen it again for 16 years, if, if, if you don't go through those four steps and, and develop your workflow and how that's going to occur before bringing in technology and you bring in technology up front without doing those four steps, it just, it's just chaos. It just exacerbates the problem, honestly. You know, and I can give you a number of different examples. I mean, we work with clients where I, I'm in an exercise environment and I hear, you know, I, I see somebody feverishly typing away on a, on a, on a computer. And I ask them, what are you, what are you entering into WebEOC? Well, I'm entering everything in this WebEOC. <laughs> Why are you entering everything in WebEOC? Because I was told to enter everything. Right. And then, mm-hmm. and then, you know, fast forward to the hot wash of that exercise and you've got the sit stat leader that says that she couldn't pull the sit rep together in a timely manner because she had to wade through a mountain of noise. Right. Information that had no value that was entered into WebEOC. She had to wade through a mountain of noise to pull up the nuggets that she needed. And had those nuggets been identified up front, again, with your information requirements, and where you're getting it and, and the indicators associated with it, you know, that she wouldn't have had to gone through that. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's part of what we've, part of what we've done. I guess the other thing, if, if you don't mind me kind of continuing on that vein. Please do. The, the other, th- yeah, the other thing that we've done is, you know, when I look at EOCs that, you know, most emergency management agencies have an emergency operations plan. Okay. And then they have EOC position checklists. Right. Okay, now those EOC position check- checklists, I kind of liken to sort of being the individual parts of a car. So imagine you had a car that was broken down into its individual pieces in a, in a giant gymnasium, and you had never seen a car fully assembled, right? I, I liken the, the position checklist as, as those individual parts of the car. So we walk around, and here's a carburetor. And this is the tire and this is a steering wheel and this is a fender, you know, but, you know, and, and, and when you're all said and done, you know what those individual pieces are, but you don't necessarily know what it looks like when it's all put together. <laughs> and, and, and that's, and that's the, the EOP doesn't address that. And then checklists don't necessarily. So, you, so you've got something missing in the middle and the middle is, is basically what I call the glue and the glue is the coordination process. Mm-hmm. How do, how do we get from EOC activation to turnover or demobilization? What are we doing during that 12-hour operation period? And we'll be right back after a brief message. Emergencies happen. Whether they're related to medical emergencies, threats of physical violence, weather-related, or other. One of the most difficult things during an emergency is to find help and quickly and efficiently communicate with all parties, regardless of whether you're an administrator, law enforcement, or the end user. With Titan HST, we help distort time by creating high-tech yet simple-to-use mobile-based applications that connect you with the people who can help you. At Titan HST, we believe in the power of people. 315 and 314, there is at least one person that's been shot. Somebody is still shooting inside. Are you ready for the unthinkable? 
Call our friends at High Speed Tac Med. They provide custom emergency planning and training that saves lives. With years of experience in law enforcement, search and rescue, responding to and managing large-scale incidents, HSTM will evaluate and prepare written plans, training sessions, drills, and debriefs, leaving you with the necessary tools and experience that can save lives. Call HSTM today to discuss your specific needs, and the staff of High Speed Tac Med will help ensure that you're ready and are in complete compliance. Call High Speed Tac Med today. Day, 805-419-0024. Again, that's 805-419-0024. The friendly staff at HSTM is standing by. And now, back to Jim Bailey. What we've done, we've built out a EOC coordination playbook, okay, that, that breaks the planning fee, and uh, everybody's got their own version of the PSH. You know, some people are using the field fee, some people have modified it to, you know, for ESC operations. But we've we've built basically a four-phased framework that that uh, you can overlay on any planning fee, regardless of the individual steps. And what we've done is we've taken, say like there's 10 or 11 steps in, in a planning fee, we've broken it down into four phases. Hmm. Okay. And the four phases are direction, coordination, planning, in transition, okay. Think of it kind of as like the four four quarters of a football game, right? Okay, you get that, that's a little easier to get your mind around than the eleven steps. You know, <laughs> everybody has a copy of the planning key in their EOC, but how many people have really broken that down? You know, like here's what we do at this particular step, or here's what we do in our case in, in this particular phase. So the direction phase, it's all focused on you know as you're moving up the stem of the P. Again, you, you've activated. People have shown up. Okay, now what are we going to do? It's it's all about just gaining and maintaining situational awareness. What do we got out there? Okay, you know, let's 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 figure out what we've got. Let's develop some course of action. You know, let's let's either if we don't have standing objectives, let's develop some objectives. Let's get working. Right. right? That's essentially the direction phase. The coordination phase. Okay, now we've been we've been working at this thing. You know, we're getting more information. We have a better understanding of what's happening out there and what we're doing about it. But but are we achieving our measures of effectiveness? Are we doing the right things? And are we achieving our measures of effectiveness? You know, um, that's the coordination phase. So that's focused on current operations. Planning, uh, as you know, that's building your, your uh, EOC action plan. So so you're, you're focused on, you know, what do we think is going to be happening in the next 12 hours? Right, mm-hmm. we we kind of put on you know our crystal ball. We, we we just have a different orientation. Whereas the coordination phase was focused on current operations, the planning phase and building that EOC coordination plan is more focused on you know what we think we're going to be doing in in the next twelve hours. So from a situation standpoint, what what's happening with a threat? Is it is it getting worse? Is it you know is it is it getting better? Is it staying the same? What do we think it's going to be like, for instance, in uh, in the next 12 hours? Triage. If your EOC is activated, it's because you've got a complex operational environment underway. And, right. and, and in a complex operational environment, you know, you're going to have not just one problem. You're going to have a whole host of problems. Right. Okay. How do you how do you rack and stack that in terms of who's going to get resources? You know, where are you paying attention? Where are you collecting information? So. So the triage piece is important too. What's that going to look like in the next 12 hours? Operations, 
what's the operational footprint? Is it, is it, is it expanding? Is it contracting? You know, is it staying the same? Logistics, you know, what resources are we likely to need in the next 12 hours? Public information. You know, what will we be telling the public? What do we need to tell the public in the next 12 hours? So right. you, you kind of work it. And then transition, you know, it's, it's, it's all about the handoff. You know, how many times have we heard about folks that, you know, that, that don't necessarily, you know, your, your relief shows up. You know, you shove some papers in their face and out the door you go. Okay. <laughs> right. we, 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 you know, we, we kind of preach that, you know, that there should be, you know, some structure to that transition phase. You know, a briefing should be developed. That briefing should be, you know, uh, delivered to the oncoming EOC staff. And then, you know, before, you know, departing, there's individual right. turnovers that go on as well. So, so we've built out a playbook that, that basically takes you from activation through deactivation or, or to turnover and, and what each section, branch, and unit does during the direction phase, the coordination phase, the planning phase, and the transition phase. Right, right down to the position level. That's awesome. Okay. And, 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 and you want to talk about coordinated workflow. Um, imagine, imagine every, everybody in the EOC online. Hey folks, we're in the direction phase. Okay. And here are our assignments. Here's, here's what you contribute to, you know, to the meeting that basically anchors the direction phase. We, some people call it uh, the crisis action meeting. There's, there's a whole host of different names for it, right. but, but there's a meet, there's a meeting that basically concludes each phase. Okay, the coordination meeting is the is the meeting that concludes the coordination phase. So so everybody in the EOC knows where they are in the P, right? They know what phase they're in, and they know what they contribute because they've got the EOC playbook there that basically says, here's what I need to be providing to my branch, you know, coordinator or my section coordinator as they prepare to go into you know that uh, that crisis action meeting. You know, that's that's kind of what I was alluding to before. Is I'm looking at uh, non-traditional, not like a WebUSC type thing, but um, more like a project management workflow. One of the things I'm, I'm kind of playing with is a software. It's, it's fairly new. It's called Freed Camp. It's, a, it's an online uh, program. It's just kind of sticky notes, if you will, and you tell people what they do, and they you know let you know when they're done. That's just something I'm playing with. But workflow is is sure. is, is you know the key to to everything. I agree with you there. It's funny we talked about you know the coordination aspect of it. And I was talking to Eric Holdman from uh, Emergency Management Magazine, and uh-huh. uh, and he he was saying, and he's been around you know this job for you know, 100 years or whatever. Sorry, Eric. Um, <laughs> it, it's uh, but he 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 was telling me that he likes using the term instead of an EOC and EEC, an Emergency Coordination ECC, Emergency Coordination Center. Uh, and sure. I thought you know kind of going with that. That's that is so true because as emergency managers and and work in this field it is more of a coordination than oh, yeah. it is the absolutely you know, the operation aspect of this. So what you're yeah. saying here is some really good stuff. Yeah, so so the EOC doesn't command and control anything. Right. Okay. They yeah, yeah. They they coordinate resources, they coordinate information. So I yeah, no, I would agree. I think you know, I think if uh if we could get enough people on board, I think changing from an EOC to an ECC could have some positive positive effects. Oh yeah. It's kind of one of those things, like when he told me that, um, I was talking to him last week, and I was like, that kind of popped in my head. I'm like, you know, I, I'm going to start feeding that to my to my students, you know, or maybe when they move out and, you know, as, they, as this old, us old guys kind of move along into the uh, retirement phase, and these guys can kind of, kind of make the, change the world a little bit. I, I do have a, cu- a couple more questions here for you, and, and sure. 
one, I'm I'm going to let you do a uh, the shameless plug, if you will. So, if anybody wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do so? Yeah, so we've uh, we've got a website. We've redone our website. www sensemakersllc.com that's S-E-N-S-E M-A-K-E-R-S L-L-C.com and that has all of our contact info uh, and everything uh, that we offer and it's also about us and uh, and the services that we provide that's awesome and uh, just uh, uh, and for full disclosure you know I worked with Jim on a few projects uh, when I was up in, in in Orange County and always a class of professional and, and always a good guy to go to, so I'll, I'll endorse you for there. <laughs> I appreciate that. No problem. Okay, and this is the toughest question of the night. I'm telling you this one. And, okay. uh, and so you, know, you have a couple seconds to think about this, but uh, what is the number one book that you give to a new person breaking into the business? <laughs> you know... That, that is a hard one because I'm a pretty avid reader. I can tell you a book that I'm reading right now. Yeah. It's called The Obstacle is the Way. I think that would be a great book for a person to read for a number of different reasons. One, it, 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 it's, it, it helps, I think, sort of shape your perception and how you look at obstacles and, uh, and how, uh, you have to be adroit to, to solve problems and turn the obstacle into an advantage. I think that's uh I think that's a tremendous book that would be good. The other book that, that uh if you can I think you can find it actually on Amazon, in terms of customer service, which again is very important, uh the Marriott way. Um if you've ever stayed at the Marriott and I'm a I'm a platinum uh Marriott member, I, I just always admire process. And they obviously have a process. And uh, their customer service, I think, is is uh, is pretty stellar. And if you read that book, The Marriott Way, I think you know you come away with a better understanding of, of what it means to serve others. And and again, I think within emergency management, that's what we're all about uh, service. And I think that would be a good book to read. I think those two books. I think if those two books, if a person was to start there, I think they would be in uh, in good stead. A third book that I would throw out, The Checklist Manifesto. I, I think that's a good book, talking about the importance of checklists. Again, I, I kind of, you know, talked about how there needs to be something more than checklists and emergency operations plans, some, some some kind of glue, you know, that pulls the process together. But nonetheless, you know, checklists are important, and uh, and the author spends a great deal of time talking about the importance of checklists and, and how to create meaningful checklists. Those three books. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, and the checklist thing, I agree with you there. You know, I have a really pretty extensive checklist system, you know, for the guy who walks in, you hand on the, pretty much you can hand anybody my uh, section sheet or section position checklist. They'll be able to get up on and running, you know, as far as what, what to go through. But yeah, right. you're right. I mean, there's more than just that than the EOC. That's just the starting point. And I, I, I have seen people who have, who have, uh, thought that was the end all be all. I have my checklist. And, I'm ready to go. And, you know, sounds like an Air Force pilot. You know, they're just ready to go. After oh yeah. Checklist. We 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 have we have a uh, a course called Situ- Situational Awareness and Common Operating Picture for EO students. And before we even do introductions, we get up, we get the students in their seats, and before we do introductions, we show them a video clip of the opening scene from Gladiator with Russell Crowe. 
Um, I don't know if you've, if you've seen that movie or if you remember that movie, but, but basically what you have is you have two armies facing each other in battle. You have the Romans on one side, and you have the Germanic barbarian horde on the other side. And we, we ask the students to, to watch the clip and to observe how each side approaches the battle. Because we think it's a metaphor for emergency management. Okay, On the Roman side, you have command, you have control, you have resources, logistics. Obviously, people are trained. They've got, you know, they've got a process. They've got a plan. On the barbarian side, you just have a lot of folks that are clad in fur and, you know, clubs and, you know, they're just going to, they're just going to run front, you know, front on into the, into the Romans and try and uh, overwhelm them that way. They don't really have a lot of command and control or, or logistics or anything like that or any kind of coordination, you know, and, and, and we see, at times, we see EOCs that operate that way. You know, when a crisis happens, they come together. They don't necessarily have a whole lot of process, but they just throw, they just run headlong into the problem, and eventually they solve it. But you know, our question is, is you know, which do you want to be more like? You know, again, it's it's not being the lockstep, you know, Romans, but but having a way, having a process, defining the how you're going to get from from point A to point B. You know, can you can you call an audible? Yeah, are things flexible? Do things change out there in the in the field? You know, in a complex operational environment, you bet. But if you've got if you've got a a, a roadmap, you know, or if you've got a playbook, you can call an audible from that playbook. But you got to have something to start with. Right. So. Well, I could talk to y'all even about this, but I don't want to be too much more Jim, thank you so much for for taking time to talk about the processes. That's Again, that's one of the areas that I really do enjoy. I, I like the process. I think that's why I do what I do for a living. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast with our guest Jim Bailey talking about processes and workflow in the Emergency Operations Center or the ECC, Emergency Coordination Center, whichever one you want to go with. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and leave a comment in your iTunes lips in. Uh, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening to us on. We do have some new things coming up. We have Ian Weekly on the news, as will be on Mondays, and we're looking to do Tech Talk on Tuesdays. So if you have any tech ideas, give us a a jingle, let us know what you're thinking, and we'll uh, incorporate those into our new platform. So again, thank you very much, and have a great day. If you're trying to reach people in the emergency management and response space, Ian Weekly is a place for you to advertise. Each week, we are bringing in guests from around the world to talk about best practices and trends in emergency management and response. We also have the blog on EM Weekly's website and the EM Quarterly e-magazine. For more information, please email brian at brian at emweekly.com. EM Weekly is a division of the WEMT Institute.